0: All right. Welcome, everybody. This is Sergio Bacazzo, Cultivated Genetics, and I am welcome with the one and only Steve Moon of Full Moon Genetics. What's going on, Steve? Welcome to the show.
1: Yeah, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Definitely, bro. We are stoked to be holding the high fructose corn syrup in Cultivated, which is the GMO crossed with OZ Kush BX2. And let me tell you, man, this thing is is definitely causing some some waves in the space. And I I can't begin to tell you how excited we are, because when I first saw this cultivar back in uh, it was actually late summer last year when um, when Chris Lynch had come through and he pulled this jar out of some fire and it was just covered in trichomes, he opened it up the jar and it was incredibly loud. So right then and there, that's when I had uh, first heard about Full Moon Genetics, and the rest is history from there, man. So I wanted to bring you onto the platform, so the community can get to to know you a little bit better, and and start learning a bit more about what the future projects are for Full Moon Genetics. But before we even jump into that, man, thank you. Just really wanted to say thank you for for you know collaborating with us and. You know it's been fun it's been fun really rocking with breeders and just being able to showcase true to type genetics coming out of tissue culture you know doing doing what we do here at cultivated and just making sure you know plant the plants come out in the, the healthiest variety and you know we're we're honored to honored to honor to hold your cultivar man thank you for for that opportunity
1: yeah for sure i mean likewise it's a uh, an honor to uh get put out like that you know and i appreciate you guys giving credit to the breeders a lot of people don't do that so it's really cool
0: yeah man you know that's the future right trust and transparency and you know as more more cultivators come onto the scene more breeders start putting out more projects it's going to come back to transparency right i mean there's so many renamed cultivars out there in the space that it's it's causing a ton of confusion to the consumer and you know that's one of the biggest things is why we wanted to you know run this nursery in the manner that we are today with with trusted verified genetics and being able to highlight the breeders that put in all this effort and time behind the back scene to give us these awesome flavor profiles that, that we can really rock with and, and inspire for the future projects. So, you know, it's been, it's been really fun getting to try a bunch of different things. And, you know, before we jump, man, like talk to us a little bit about full moon genetics, like talk to us about your origin story. Where are you from? And, you know, how'd you get involved into the cannabis industry?
1: Yeah, man. I was uh, so I was born and raised in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, actually, and uh, moved to Colorado around 2011. And you know, I had been growing a little bit in Florida before then, just little tent style and whatnot. But got out to Colorado to get deeper into it, you know, and worked all around the industry here. Worked for several big name companies, a couple small companies. um, Really got my feet wet in the Denver industry here. And yeah, you know, just uh, as far as breeding goes, of course, that just started as, you know, personal side project. I think the first one I ever did was using a uh, Chem De La Chem male from uh, my buddy Danger Ross uh, here in Denver. Um, and, you know, that was just a little side project. And then, you know, as I continued to grow more and more i just gravitated towards that uh candy gas type profile and so as soon as i started coming across sherb and skittles and anything with that i I fell in love man so the oz just just i had to go with it once i tasted it and i just wanted to work with it and you know that kind of took off from there man everybody seems to love the oz crosses for sure They're definitely flavorful, man. And and the OZ
0: Kush is Eddie Lepp crossed with Skittles, correct?
1: Yes. Yeah, my my other homie here in Denver, uh, T.H. Caesar, I think he was the one who originally got some of those seeds from Dying Breed when they were first released. And uh, I think he passed them out to a buddy here in Denver. And then we also had the uh, Peach Oz from them as well. So that's what the BX1 is, is it's the OZ – cross to the uh, Peach Oz, which I think is Peach Rings crossed with the OZ Kush as well.
0: I love that Peach Rings, man. Super super fruity turps, but she's got this this awesome sour tartness behind her too.
1: That's Definitely, man. You, you see it. It comes through in, in some of the crosses. I'm actually twisting up a, uh, a OZ BX2 Fino right now. And it's got a little bit of that peach in there, mostly Skittles and gas, but a little bit of the peach comes through.
0: We're at a unique part in the industry trend right now where candy gas is definitely, you know, predominantly being, uh, you know, requested and, you know, a lot of, a lot of the lemon cherry gelato and, you know, rainbow belts and everything that's kind of got this, this candy gas profile. Yeah. Obviously, you know, like the white runts has been doing really
1: well. Um, so, man, because, you know, there, there's getting to be a lot of it out there, but it's good. Everyone loves it. You know, all the gelatos and runts crosses. I mean, it's, it's getting watered down in a sense, but there's a reason it's as popular as it is. You know, people just love that profile.
0: It definitely transfers well too, you know, and that's, that's one of the biggest things why we see such a, such a crossover to multiple hybrids is because you, you, because honestly that, that Terp that trait definitely crosses over and mixes well with other with other characteristics.
1: Yeah, but, definitely.
0: So, Steve, where, where do you see, let's look into the future here, right? Because obviously trends happen, you know, we're starting to hear some demand for bring back OG, right? Give me more OG back into this lineup. We're tired or we need a little bit of variety. Like where do you, where do you see the flavor profiles going from a breeder's perspective? What do you want to start working on um, to get in front of that?
1: Um, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I could definitely see OG making a push. I mean, I never stopped like an OG. That was part of why I love the OZ. It's got that perfect blend, you know, of the skittles and OG. But you know, I could definitely see it coming back, especially in some crosses. People love the triangle Kush. I know, I know the guys that are behind Triangle Kush are making a push in Florida right now. I think they're going to have a facility open here soon. Uh, the TK Origins guys. So. People love the triangle, man. That's, that's always going to be there. And I don't know, like me personally, I love cheese, man. I would love to see some real deal UK or Exodus cheese come back. It's, it's hard to find the real deal though. Mm-hmm.
0: Def, it's definitely a, a very unique terp to come across these days. And I think I, I had seen something that compound was working on. I believe it was a rainbow cheddar recently or yeah okay r&d rooms uh-huh. and yeah it's it, it's exciting yeah some of these funkier profiles that's actually what what caught my attention with the high fructose corn syrup right that gmo funk really stood yeah. out amongst the other packs that i was smelling and For it's sure. i mean shit man like it's one of those things that just when you open it up it just it permeates in the room right punches your nostril and just really you know almost has to almost, it, it's almost a tear jerk you know it's like damn pungent. And I, and I missed that. So, yep. you know, obviously GMOs definitely been one of the most, you know, um, sought after cultivars, you know, for washing purposes and, you know, papayas, it, you know, GMOs, all of those do great in wash. Having sure. this, having like the forward thinking notion, like how do we continue to find cultivars or, or genetics that a wash well and smoke well at the same time? And I think that, that it's difficult to find, find some that do both. Have you come across any that are, that are trending in that direction?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, as far as wash and smoke well, I mean, obviously GMO, people love the GMO. I personally am not the hugest fan of, like, the GMO turf profile, but it is loud, and I love that it washes good. And, I mean, people love it, so it was a no-brainer when I was, you know, throwing a group together to make the crosses. And I've definitely seen some killer progeny out of that cross, for sure, that definitely washes and tastes really good. I love um I love the strawberry bonanza that I have too, and that washes really well. It's got that straw nana in it that fourteener cut from uh, here in Colorado and that does really good returns on the wash and it just tastes like a strawberry banana smoothie you know on the mm. smoke It's delicious mm. love that man yeah i'm 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 a fan
0: I'm a fan of the fruity smoothies chirps man that's that's definitely yeah a, a well one you, one you one
1: know of any of the papaya stuff you know is definitely. Definitely good for washing. I've got a uh, straw guava. So anything that's got that straw nana in there seems to wash really good. Um, Tropicana. I think Tropicana stuff washes really good. I've got that uh, Point Break from uh, Surfer Seeds. I think it's the Tropicana Wedding Cake, and that one does really good too. But, yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of being able to test, you know. You've got skill to do that type of testing on, you know, as far as washing, you know, and, and finished product for flavor. And then you'll find it. It's out there.
0: So talk to us about the, you know, about the the, the project that you put together with that OZBX two. Obviously, you selected the GMO as one of the parents. You selected the ice cream cake as another, which was I um the I believe that's the frozen desserts cultivar.
1: Yes, yeah, that's the frozen dessert. What, what uh, else came yeah. out from that? Uh, so yeah, I got a few other ones. The like I said, the strawberry bonanza. Uh, Strawberry Bonanza, HFCS, and Frozen Dessert are definitely the most popular from that line. Um, I did the Tropicana as well, Tropicana Cookies. Um, I crossed uh, Power Nap. We had a pretty nice Power Nap cut from uh, Sin City, which is another one that actually washes really well. Didn't have the greatest terps on its own, but the progeny from that you know picks up some of the candy terps from the BX2 as well. Um, and then I have a few that I just didn't release because like the Skittles, like I crossed Skittles to the OZBX2 and that's a pretty crazy one, but Skittles just doesn't breed the best and there were a lot of pale seeds. So I didn't want to release that, but you know, I've been hunting through some stuff myself just to work some things further that I may have not released to the public, you know?
0: That's very admirable. Let's talk about that, Steve. Because I think when, when we start hearing, you know, certain certain trends with, uh, you know, with, with small project breeding, and then you start to see different different traits or different things that you don't want to put out as a breeder, because that's reputation, obviously. You know, germination yep. rates could be challenging. You know, weak progeny is definitely something that you don't want your name attached to. Can you go through the process that you have when you are selecting progeny? How many plants do you actually go through from the hunt side?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I, I usually like to at least run one full light of, of whatever the cross may be. And in my style, I like to do about nine plants per light. Um, and that's at the very least, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll try to run a little bit more than that, but yeah, man, digging through the progeny, you know, and then it just, I like to make sure things are stable, obviously, you know, I don't want to put out anything that's going to have any herm issues. And I've personally never had any germination issues with seeds that, you know, look the part that are nice and dark and tiger striped. If they don't look like that, I won't release them. You know, I just rather play it safe. Um, you know, I know it's easy to make a quick dollar in the breeding industry, but I think it's better to play it safe and kind of just build a solid foundation to work upon. Um, and you know, when it comes to selecting progeny, like I've been finding some killer keepers myself and just, I'm thinking about releasing keeper cuts like breeder cuts, you know? Mm-hmm. um, and you know, selecting progeny, I feel like all comes down to personal taste, you know, on, on on a strain, you might want something that's more dominant towards the female or something that's more dominant towards the male on, on any given cross.
0: I love I love talking about the male selection process. What do you look for in a strong male?
1: So, plant health plant vigor, you know, first and foremost. Um, and you know, I'm pr- once you get familiar with seeing what that plant looks like and what to expect as far as whether it's dominant on the male or female side then you know you can pick based off visual and then flower them out man if you can flower the males out that's always best always best to see what they can do when they flower i mean you can always do some stem rub and stuff like that in the vegetative state and you know i kind of like to look for ones that hold off on on showing male characteristics you know you don't want those ones that bust too early so you, know, you got to hold off for those strong ones.
0: What kind of grow do you do you have in there? You mentioned you're running about nine plants per light. What kind of substrate are you running?
1: I've always been a cocoa fan. Um, you know, I've I've done a little bit of it all in the past. I've done rock wool for sure. Done a lot of soil, but I love cocoa. You know, if I can go with like the charcoal uh, cocoa cubes, then that's awesome. But I love Tuper as well. Run lots of different brands of cocoa. Um, but yeah, I've been playing around with some LEDs lately as well. Um, I got a little side-by-side going with some Lux and some Think Grow lights right now just to kind of see what they do on the side-by-side test. Nice. How far are you into that comparison? Uh, about four weeks right now, and I got a bunch of Gary Payton and Apple Fritter kind of sitting under both to do a good comparison there. Nice very cool yeah the the led game has definitely
0: improved obviously right when they first came out uh, you know price point was a challenge then prices started to decrease and then you started recognizing that the light penetration was a challenge so you know it's as these products continue to continue to evolve you know it's uh, it's going to be it'll be exciting to see who emerges because there's a ton of leds out there you know and oh, it's, and it it's seems crazy. like the it seems like they're all selling the same diodes you know just different different packaging from from you know Chinese yeah. manufacturing, but
1: a hundred percent i've you know i've tested quite a few brands between me and you know friends of mine around the industry and yeah like you said it's i think everybody's rocking you know samsung and Osram diodes and and you know they're, they're the price points getting cheaper and cheaper and some people say there's a longevity difference there between some of the pricier ones and the cheaper ones but they all seem to be doing the job man and it's crazy to see where that technology has come in the past, you know, five years. And I can't imagine where it's going to be in the next five.
0: So when, when we start talking about environmental breeding and what, you know, what the characteristics that you're breeding with uh, or breeding for in, you know, in your specific grow, right? Like that's, that's something I'm very curious about. Have you seen any different? Uh, exp- well, let me rephrase that what is the different expressions that you've seen growing from led to what we in
1: before hps or yeah yeah so so yes that dude there is a there is definitely a difference um i wouldn't say it's negative or positive in that sense i've seen certain cultivars do better under hps and i've seen other ones do better under leds um but yeah, when you're you're hunting phenos, you know it's it's, yeah. Right now I'm hunting under LEDs, so if you know it's, I guess it's best to let that be known. And if somebody were to take that same phenotype under HPS, they they might see you know slightly different bud formations and and you know, terpene expressions and whatnot. I'm not drastically different, but I have have seen some differences when I've had friends who find keeper finos under HPS. And then I run them under LED. I mean, they still do great, but just looks different, you know?
0: Yeah. You know, and, and that's, that's one of those things. Like when we start looking at, you know, the origin story of a specific cultivar, then we can really start advertising what your process looks like. Right. Cause that's going to, that may create a different expression. Right. And yep. that's, that's something that's really cool. So you, for the community listening and, and wanting to learn more about the HFCS that's currently out there, it was grown and hunted under LED, right? So that's where the selection process was made. And mm-hmm. you know, well let's let's compare. Let's see what the what it looks like under HPS and you know, let's have some fun with that.
1: For sure. Definitely.
0: So the HFCS, high fructose corn syrup. Tell us a little bit about this. Is uh, let's start off with the, the veg. How how does she behave in veg? Is she fast veg, slow veg?
1: Yeah, I mean, most phenos I've seen of it have have definitely picked up the the faster growth from the GMO side of things, um, and then same thing once uh once they get flipped into flower. From what I've seen, you know, you get some decent stretch, you know, in that first few weeks, and 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 also the Oz Kush isn't a squat indica plants by any means, you know, so it's got some decent. I wouldn't call it stretchy, you know, it's it doesn't have like OG Kush type growth. It's it's a little more squat than that good medium bigger um but yeah for the most part in the hfcs yes, they've they've got that gmo growth style but i have seen quite a few phenos where the oz helps cut down that finish time sure.
0: So. sure the 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 fino number eight that node labs had selected through their massive fino hunt um, a couple years back that one, I, I think we, we recognized a two and a half X stretch on her. So she's not super stretchy, but she definitely does stretch. So if you're growing yep. in double tier, if you're height restricted, be sure you, you either flip early or training early. Um, you know, that's that's definitely important. So you don't start surpassing your lights or running into some issues later on. But um, yeah, definitely, but yeah, de- definitely a, a strong veg, right? Not a not a slow vegger that we've noticed from just from the propagation side of things too you know, yeah. she's, she's been pretty consistent, good production plant. Um, okay, cool. So let's, let's talk about the, the flower period. How long do you think that, uh, what's appropriate for her to finish?
1: I, w- I would still say nine, you know, if, if you can give it 10, that that's even better, but I, I wouldn't say you're dealing with the 11, 12 weeks, you know, that you would sometimes deal with, with just GMO. I saw her finished
0: in nine weeks and she, absolutely was was stunning you know definitely allowed yeah. um you know it, it, could she have gone 10 yes mm-hmm. I think, you know that's it, it's certainly not out of the question but she was she was definitely done in nine weeks
1: but um, you could also pull cool. it at eight for washing too if you wanted to yeah. you know so that that goes either way <laughs> that's exactly let's talk a little bit about that steve so
0: pulling her a little bit earlier to get uh to get better trichome structure for washing can you go into that a little bit
1: yeah I mean um, mainly too for what I've seen uh, personally along the lines of rosin too is the color difference and I know people love when it's that white you know even when it gets that dark gold not even dark but like a golden yellow sometimes you're super heady people get picky man and everybody just loves the whiter it can be the better and I've found that when you pull them a little earlier before there's too many amber trikes that you can get that lighter color on the rosin it's just beautiful
0: that's dope dude i appreciate you sharing that that's interesting
1: yeah and
0: good yeah you know, we we keep getting a lot more requests for hey give me something that washes well you know and this again like a lot of the gmos um definitely have showcased that they have decent returns have you seen any return numbers on on this particular particular uh cultivar
1: yeah, I had a had a buddy who was running it and getting between four and five. So you know, not not too low, not too crazy, about the middle of the road there. But I definitely think there's some you know finos out there that could probably hit five or six. Nice, yeah.
0: solid, strong, consistent. That's, that's good. yeah.
1: You know, those are still still solid numbers. Cool. Nothing that you're going to lose money on by any means. I
0: dig it. So with HFCS, quick, uh, strong, vigorous veg, you know, stretches, you know, two, two and a half X, definitely want to maintain some training if you're, if you're height restricted, she typically finishes in not finishes in nine weeks, could go 10, right. For a little bit more of that die on the vine approach. And, yep. um, and then if you want to start pulling maybe closer to eight weeks, if you're going to be washing, get a little bit, you know, wider trichome heads for that process, Awesome man. And talk to yeah. us about the color. How does she respond to to drop temperatures? Obviously people are trying to get color, but how does she how does she perform with those temps?
1: Dude, that's one thing that I will say all of the O Z crosses do great with. And that last few weeks, man, if you start dropping some temps, you're gonna get those purples in almost all these crosses. Nice. Yeah, like even the even the strawberry bonanza I pulled down, you know, it's I don't really remember seeing straw nana ever get too purple, but uh, the strawberry bonanza man. All the leaves turned purple. Bud picked up a nice purple hue. It's it's beautiful bag appeal. What's what what is your
0: approach for drop temps? When do you start that process, and how low do you trickle down to?
1: Um, not till like the last few weeks. I like to I like to try to ride the the VPD curve pretty hard, and especially with the LEDs, I'm able to run even a little bit higher temps. Um, but you know, I'll get down to 70 or so in those last few weeks. I don't like to get too too cold though. You know, sometimes high 60s at the most and and it'll you'll see those purple hues.
0: Um
1: is high 60s, low 70s during the
0: day or the night?
1: Yeah, during the day.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, definitely the the batch the batches that I've seen come out of R&D definitely had wicked wicked bud color. I mean, the calyxes were damn near black, but they were so frosted out. It was it was hard to even see how dark it was, but, you know, once I got them under the scope,
1: liquid, yeah, for sure, wicked color, yeah, I mean, I'm usually starting around 80 degrees, a little bit higher in those first couple weeks, and I'll just slowly creep towards 70, towards the end, and, you know, if I can get 68 or something, that's nice, too, sure, <laughs> but I don't, and I don't do any of, like, you know, there's some people who put ice on their plants and all sorts of stuff like that, I, I don't know if you'd some of those crazy tricks you might even see some crazier colors
0: you know there, there's there's definitely tactics and tricks out there for sure I just you know me personally I like to like to just like like you said read the VPD chart and not not go too aggressively towards the last couple few weeks yeah but, um, but yeah man just that's good but yeah this this specific cultivar that pheno you know, number eight that that node selected Definitely has um, excellent bag appeal when when treated and handled correctly, for sure. Steve, let's talk about the the future projects. Like, what what's exciting you? What are you working on? Working towards? And uh, yeah, man, what what do you what do you got in the bank?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I've been thinking about that a lot myself lately. I just uh, got back to Colorado. I was out in Oregon for a couple years, so I just got back to Colorado. I've been here about six seven months now, so. Trying to get everything back up and going. Um, but yeah, man, I keep getting a lot of requests for FEMS. And I've got this really nice cut of the OZBX2. It's actually a cut that uh, this company Jive Cannabis out in Oklahoma found. And then they got it back to me. And it's, it's amazing, man. I'm actually smoking on it right now. And I'm thinking I might uh, reverse that and uh, give the people some FEMS. Because I get so many requests for them.
0: It's, it, it's wild. I'm, I'm sure you probably saw the, you know, the DEA, um, their interpretation of, you know, hemp and cannabis seeds and all that stuff. Is anything that you're working on, I guess, this is kind of, I don't want to say it's a loaded question, but like, how, how does it impact you as a breeder? Like, how do you, what's, what's that doing in driving your direction of, of, of projects? Because this B 2 sounds, sounds like a great project.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's that's such a uh, recent news. I don't really know how that's gonna affect things. I mean, I'm I'm working on as we speak. I'm working on getting some of my seeds in a couple of the hydroponic stores here in Colorado. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be really interesting to see what that opens up. You know, I think we were discussing uh, the other day that I don't think dispensaries are gonna be allowed to sell them. Are they?
0: Not, not that I know of. From I think the interpretation is, if you're holding cannabis licenses, you cannot, tech, you know, quote unquote, sell hemp
1: products as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, if they're going to be allowed everywhere else, that's going to blow the market up even more than than what it is. You know, can I have a kiosk in the mall and go sell some seeds? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you I know, imagine
0: there's going to be some sort of a hemp. <laughs> Registration, right? Like if you can't just start growing hemp, I think you got to go through the process and get right. you know license yeah. for the hemp bureau or whatever it might be. It's you're right. It's just such new news, and I, I don't want to.
1: But everybody sells like hemp CBD products, you know, lotions and tinctures and stuff. You can find that at the at the corner store. Sure,
0: sure. No, that's a great point. So and is it's, that where it's... seeds is that where seeds and you know potentially tissue culture are going to be heading is you know you can find them anywhere basically.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and there's good and bad to that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll we'll see, man. It's going to be interesting. the The cannabis industry inner, industry is always interesting, as is. You know, things are changing every year.
0: What brought you back to Colorado? You were in the Portland, mar- or I'm sorry, the Oregon market for a while, and now you're back in uh, back in Colorado. And what, what's what's the biggest? Uh, I guess the biggest differences that you're seeing in those two different markets
1: um in those markets man i would say that oregon is a little bit behind colorado as far as you know the the industry side of things is concerned i mean even with like the types of products that you're seeing especially along the lines of extracts and just uh the the consumers and bud tenders kind of being educated on what's new and what's hot you know it it kind of reminds me of denver you know back shit i don't know 2015 or so you know it's kind of like that and a lot of people Oregon gets a bad rep for there being a lot of bad weed out there and there definitely is but there's also a lot of good weed too so you just got to know where to look for it um but yeah, the Colorado market's just further along. It, it's it's been in the game longer, obviously. So it's it's cool to watch places develop, you know, and kind of play catch up with where other places are at. Yeah.
0: So, so with the so with the projects that you're going to be looking to move forward, you know, down the road, on you got the OZBX two, and what else? What, what would you like to see coming back around from the flavor profile? Where do you want where do you want to trend the market towards?
1: Man, I, I keep leaning towards cheese right now. I've really been after a legit cut, so if anybody out there <laughs> knows where to hunt one down, let me know. I've actually got a uh, a tester in flour right now that is supposedly the UK cheese cut, but there's we all know how that goes. There's a lot of mislabels and stuff out there that isn't actually what people say it is. So, But if I can find it, man, and bring some some real deal cheese back to the market, I think people would love that. That's it. Familia listeners, please hook
0: Steve up with a good cut of some cheese. Get
1: that <laughs> I know there's already a, uh, I think they're actually a brand out there in Cali, the uh, the Zitos. I think it's actually a UK OZ Cross. Okay. Uh, you know, maybe, man, you know, something like that with the UK and create a little UK BX1 action there. And then who knows where you could take it after that.
0: That's it. Power of collaboration, man. That's what this platform's for, right? Let's yeah. start sharing some of the love, and you know that that's actually what I was kind of excited about when I heard the, you know, the, the the news about the DEA interpretation. It was like, wow, we're gonna start to see a lot more, a lot more breeding projects coming out of the, you know, in, in the next six months, and and it's exciting, yes, right? What kind of what kind of unique profiles are we gonna see? And hopefully, yeah. people are doing responsible breeding by making sure that they're testing their plants and. Not passing along the viroid or any other pathogenic pressure that could potentially make it through, because we still don't know enough about hopslate and viroid. I know there's a number of eight percent that keeps getting thrown around from, you know, from getting passed through seed progeny. But I, you know, again, it's use the tools that are available to us. You know, there's plenty of labs out there that allow for shipping in, you know, plant material for for testing for viral load and. You know, and that's just, that's just part of it. You know, responsible breeding is what I'm hoping people get out of this, you know, about this little rant that I'm about to go on because we don't know enough about the viroid. All we can do is continue to screen, relying on, you know, apical meristem tissue culture, making yep. sure that everything is properly selected and going through that process. And again, trust but verify, you know, if you bring in new material, get it tested. You know, I've seen yep. labs as cheap as 15 bucks to get a hop slate and viroid test. So, yep. you know, making that there is proper selection and not only you know the everything that you go through from your breeding project side of things but this should be a part of it checking the box on making sure you're working with clean material so
1: no you're you're 100 right I think it's going to become protocol you know at least on the industry side of things moving forward because you're right man and the more we find out about it it's that HPLV it's just mind-blowing you know what it can do and you know, you can have one plant where it's, it's heavier on one branch than it is on another branch. And so the testing has got to be pretty thorough on top of that. And, you know, it's, I know there's some labs out there doing it. There's a lab here in Boulder that does it. And I think they're actually working on some in the field testing that isn't going to be too expensive. So, you know, those will be game changers for sure. And, and yeah, you're right. You know, the fact that it's a, it's a viroid and not a virus, you know, it can be, passed down to the seeds from what i'm hearing so
0: yeah definitely interesting that that, that's it man so you know the more the more resources that we can share with laboratories that are offering you know affordable pricing on their tests you know there's no there's no excuse nowadays is kind of what i'm getting at it's part of the protocol you know and, and we and whatever whatever the testing Protocol looks like, you know, and that's, that just goes back to clean practices, right? Don't, you know, think about cross-contamination, you know, any sort of plant sap that gets on your hands or your shears needs to be cleaned Uh off with at least, you know, 10 to 20% bleach, you know, soak and agitate for 30 to 60 seconds, you know, or Vercon S 2%, 2% Vercon S is is a very good sterilizer because again man isopropyl yeah. alcohol is not going to sterilize or clean the virus dude isn't, right? it,
1: isn't that a game changer i mean talk about sop protocol across the industry i mean alcohol has been used for everything and all we've been doing has been spreading it
0: that's it it's so. yeah, it's a it's, it's a buffer for it, you know it's actually making it thrive easier and spread you know spread easier i should say yep so, <laughs> but that's crazy man, that's that just goes back to, you know, having having clean practices and, and really having a culture of, of cultivation, you know, associates that understand the nature of how severe this thing could spread um, with, with careless behaviors and having multiple sets of shears out there and having, you know, strict protocol, especially when you're dealing with mother stock or, or breeding material, right? Like, this this is really where it comes back to, you know, being a responsible, uh, you know, cultivator or breeder in that, that regard, but, yeah, man. Yep. It's just, it's going to help prevent spread and, and release of new viroids or viruses along the way. Like right now it's hoplite viroid. What's coming down the future. We don't know. We yeah, exactly. I think standards. just,
1: just uh, touching the tip of the iceberg, you know, with the, the actual science and data that we're, we're collecting now on, on cannabis is just, you know, like you said, who knows what's next. You know, I think we'll probably just continue to find more viruses and, and, Things, unfortunately, but you know we'll have to figure out how to deal with them. Yeah.
0: Well, I think this is a good l- wake up call for us, right? We all should be practicing, you know, uh, clean SOPs and yep. you know treating, treating the grow room like a temple and not letting anybody in your grow room or you know having having uniforms and having foot baths and proper, you know, just proper cleaning and IPM because by you know vectoring, right? When you start talking about well, dirty shears, yes, that's one vector. Your hands are another vector. We're yep. talking about pests that transfer viruses and viroids, right? Like anything that's going to be chomping away at that, that plant material that can get sap on it and goes to another plant. You better believe that's going to tr- have the ability to transfer uh, a pathogen like the yep. the and viroid. So fungus gnats, thrips, spider mites, you know, aphids. Yes. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's one of the biggest things is people think that they can outgrow the viroid. No, man, it's, it's in there. It's, it's in the RNA of the plant. So it's, you know, as long as that sap is getting transferred to, from one plant to the next, and, you know, I, there was recent studies shown about water transferability, you know, obviously, if you don't have a high enough level of sterility or um, oxidation, oxygen reduction potential or ORP, is what we use in our in our deep water culture setup, right? Just to make sure that we have a high level of sterility, um, right? Because that is, you know, that's one of those things too. You know, just making sure you're not cross contaminating along the way of of your garden. But again, this goes back to responsible breeding. We just went down this rant, so people that are hearing this and you know do have access to more seeds and other great genetics out there that they do make these responsible practices, and 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 that'll help set up the future for really good crosses coming out.
1: For sure. I mean, the more we find out, the the less and less room there is to hide shitty growing, you know, you won't you won't be able to keep cutting these corners. It'll yeah, show.
0: Man. It'll show. This is this is the development of the craft industry, you know, and that's that's what we're focused on is really finding unique flavor profiles, strong yielding plants, you know, great vigor, obviously from the veg and the whole selection process. You know, like it's it's going to be really fun to watch how the selection yeah. and how 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 Full Moon Genetics as a breeder is going to be identified with certain traits that you're always seeking and hunting for because that's really where I think the consumer will begin to gravitate towards certain, you know, certain, uh, you know, certain breeders that have their, you know, similar tastes and profiles. And that's what's up, man. That's what I'm excited about. That's also why I enjoy doing this, you know, these type of, uh, these type of discussions so people can start to learn more about you as a breeder. And again, to gravitate towards your products when we bring them in and and get them out in the space.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome, man. I, I really appreciate it. Can't thank you guys enough for help pushing not only the HFCS out there, but just you know, my brand as well. That's really cool.
0: That's right, Steve. Well, welcome to the Cultivated Familia, brother. It's uh, it's truly an honor and a privilege. And yeah, man, looking forward to see see the community rock with the HFCS out there. And you know, we'll we'll see what's coming down the pipe next from Full Moon.
1: Yeah, man. I'll, I'll definitely keep the candy gas coming for everybody. <laughs>
0: heard it first there you go well steve thank you again for joining us brother appreciate you keep up the good work and and be well man we'll talk to you soon
1: yeah man thanks a lot man take it easy take care bye bye all right peace